Hello and welcome to the podcast of Vineyard Church here in Maryville, Tennessee. We post our Sunday messages here each week, as well as our conversations episodes, which include interviews, special announcements, and in-depth teaching. You can visit vineyardchurch.us to learn more about us or to access the audio archive. You can also subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, Apple, or Google Podcasts. And now, here's the episode. Well, hello. Good morning. Merry Christmas. Hey, yeah, it's getting it's getting close, you guys. It's getting close. Let's take just a couple of minutes here to talk about must-have gifts. Um, in the chair back in front of you, if you haven't gotten one of these and taken it home with you just yet, I encourage you uh, to do that. We, um, each year in the month of December, uh, take some time. Uh, to emphasize what we call must-have gifts, things that people genuinely must have um, in order to be able to thrive. So I know this time of year we talk about must-have gifts as like gadgets and, and, and tech and trends and fashion, but real must-have gifts are things like food and clothing and shelter and education and health care and access to the gospel. These are the things that people really must have. So collectively, uh, we work together and give together in order to provide true must-have gifts for people uh, in urgent needs. There are uh, three needs that we're highlighting uh, this year. First is a 15-passenger van for the Freedom House. These are, uh, this is an orphanage uh, that actually Josh and Amanda Armstrong um, helped to found in uh, Haiti, uh, rescuing kids uh, largely from lives of slavery and um, have provided for them and raised them up over the last uh, several years now. Um, and as you know, uh, the situation in Haiti continues to decline. And unfortunately, um, gangs have, have essentially taken over the cities and the streets. And so transportation has become increasingly dangerous. And we don't have a good way to transport these kids safely. Right now, they sort of pile them up in the back of a pickup truck. Um, but with kidnappings uh, going rampant and co- almost constant, um, that's just not a suitable solution anymore. So we want to provide a 15-passenger van so that they can be transported. There are 26 kids there. So they can be transported more safely to and fro. That's a $20,000 goal. Um, that's the biggest goal we're working toward this year. We're also uh, working to provide um, a church and some renovations to a pastor's home in the Dominican Republic, uh, where we've done some work uh, and more work in recent years. Uh, we've, we've sent teams there. We actually have a, a team headed there uh, this summer as well among our, our youth group. So um, we want to actually, the kids are going to work on building the very structure that uh, we're raising money for now. That's a $10,000 goal. And then our, our third goal is for the box. This is our need meeting system. This is how um, we are able to respond to urgent needs in our church and then in our broader community. And this year in particular, we're working with schools to provide um, urgent needs for, for students in the school system who don't have their needs uh, readily met. And the goal for that also is $10,000. We have an update for where we're at on those three goals. There we are. Uh, so far, um, a lot's been given. We're approaching that $15,000 number, which is really, really great. Our goal being 40. And, and now we're kind of on the other, the, the latter half of December now. And uh, that's often where many of you uh, jump in to give. So I want to let you know where we're at. We've made a lot of progress, and yet we still have a long way to go. 4200 toward the van, 6300 toward the building, and 4300 almost $4,400 uh, toward the box. So I just want to acknowledge that. Thank you so much for your generosity. And then uh, we, of course, want to encourage you 
uh, to jump in and give uh, sacrificially as the Lord is leading you. We don't want to do any arm twisting. That's not how this operates. Um, in God's economy, we give freely, we give uh, cheerfully, we give it as an expression of gratitude and not shame or guilt in any way. Um, so don't hear any of that, but I do want to encourage you as a response of gratitude. Let the Lord lead you um, and then be obedient in response to that. We're going to tell you a little bit more about what we do with the, vo- the box. We have a video from Amy to... Help us understand that better. Good morning. Um, I'm Amy, and I am on staff here at the Vineyard. Uh, part of my job is to oversee our box ministry, which is our benevolence ministry. Um, one of the things that we do that we're able to do through the kindness of you guys is bless people in our church, bless people in our community uh, who might need things like utility bills paid or rent paid or um, groceries or things like that. We're able to help in those ways when we have the funds for it. One of the really cool things about overseeing the box is getting to see what a difference it makes in the lives of the people that we're able to help. Um, and that's all because of you guys and your generosity. So our uh, one of our must-have gifts this year is going to be for the box. Uh, we're hoping to raise $10,000 so that we can provide more assistance for people within our church, within our community. Um, last year, we were able to give out gift cards for Christmas for people who might not um, be able to provide Christmas for their families. We were able to do that. Um, one of the other really cool things that we got to do last year with the money that we raised um, was we have some connections at different schools with through counselors or teachers, the staff, um, and we were able to provide them with gift cards. Um, and so as the year went on, as they saw certain needs, they were able to fulfill those needs with their students, um, which is just a really cool thing for us to be able to do. Um, so the goal this year is $10,000. We are hoping to to be able to do all of the things that we did last year and more. Um, that is going to provide um, Christmas for families within our community. That's going to provide more gift cards for um, these guidance counselors to be able to bless their students. That's going to be able to uh, put a little bit of money in the box so that as needs arise and people come in, we are able to um, assist them as well. And we would just love for you guys to partner with us in that. Um, if you have any questions, I would love to talk to you about it. It's a it's a ministry that's near and dear to my heart. If you are interested in giving to the Box Fund, uh, you can do that in several ways. You can can text uh, neighbor, the keyword neighbor. You can give online. You can write a check. If you're writing a check, just be sure to put uh, must have gifts, the box in the memo line so we can make sure that it gets to the right spot. We're trying to raise 10 grand. I know we can do it. Thanks guys. All right. So that's Amy. Amy, by the way, uh, is does oversees all the admin at our church. She's the central nervous system of our church. And the best I can tell, she has the worst job in the world. She just has to take care of one million tiny things. And she seems to like it, which is remarkable to me because it seems like the seventh level of hell based on my personality. So I look and think she has the worst job in the world and she smiles anyway. And uh, though she does have like one good thing and one good thing is she gets to oversee the box and gets to see what you guys don't get to see, which is like all these beautiful ways we help people throughout the course of the year. We, we do this anonymously and we don't highlight most of those stories because it involves, you know, not being uh, uh, anonymous the way we'd like to be to protect people's stories and things like that. Um, so we don't often broadcast those stories, but I'm telling you, they happen again and again all throughout the course of every week. And it's beautiful the way you guys give to that. So thank you so much. Um, let's take a moment 
moment to pray, um, and then we will jump into the sermon from there. Lord Jesus, we're so grateful for what you do, uh, just through the generosity of the people in this church, God. It is beautiful over the years, um, just the tremendous amounts of just money that has been given to respond to, to needs that are urgent and pressing. And, and Lord, I just ask that you would give everyone in our church family uh, just a real sense of clarity and direction, um, answering a simple question, Lord, how, how would you have me respond to this need? Um, and for some, the timing won't be right. For others, now's the moment. Um, and Lord, again, we just want to respond in gratitude how you are leading us and do so with obedience. So Lord, please speak to us, help us to hear, and then of course to respond as you are leading us, God. And then we ask that as we now look into the, to your word and into the message, we just ask that you'd speak to us. That there'd be moments of just clarity and breakthrough here in the next few minutes that your kingdom would come and your will would be done in this sanctuary, even as it is in heaven. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Uh, one more quick announcement, actually, before uh, we jump into uh, the sermon. You know, for uh, this now more than a year-long saga of getting HVAC units into this, specifically for this room that are new and operate well and are functional, I just would like to tell you, we have two HVAC units installed right now. Isn't that great? And they are, nope, too early. They are mostly working. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't, it was explained to me. I didn't understand it, but a part or something. So we're still waiting <laughs> until they're uh, fully operational. But hey, we're all going to be just fine. And, and what I'm saying is that sometime here in the next few weeks, uh, we should be able to reliably set the temperature in this room. And wouldn't that be great? Uh, but I do want to say one thing about that first, though, uh, because all frustration is born out of unmet expectation, Right. So the fact that we can reliably set the temperature in this room does not at all mean that it will be the temperature that you prefer. <laughs> I just want to make sure you understand that. Um, this is America. It's not heaven. Uh, we can't. <laughs> I don't know if you know this, but um, finding a temperature that we can all agree on and be happy with in a sanctuary is one of the great conundrums of church leadership. It's one of the biggest problems in my life. Uh, sadly, uh, none of the early church fathers or great theologians along the way have addressed this issue. I feel like they've abandoned me in my time of need. Of need. Uh, so just so you know, it'll be a temperature. Um, I said to someone not long ago, I said, maybe in the new earth, when Christ has come, um, each person will just live in their preferred temperature at all times. He'll just follow them around wherever they go. And uh, they said in, re in response, they said, well, maybe, I don't know, like maybe we'll all just prefer the same temperature. And I said, I, I don't have faith for that. I don't, I don't believe, <laughs> I don't believe that that's possible. But if so, I mean, that sounds miraculous. Okay, enough of that. Uh, we're in this series called The Soul Felt Its Worth. It's our Advent series this year. We've been focusing on very biblical, but still abstract idea of the soul, the body. The, the, the Bible says that we are body, soul, and spirit. And, and those three things are very much a, a dynamic swirl and interplay between the three. Uh, but the Bible also is intentional to parse them out as separate. And we've been trying to get our heads around that. It's a little bit abstract, but a quick summary. We have an image to help with this. Um, the body, of course, that's the easiest for us to understand. That's our outer person, our physical selves. The spirit uh, is our, our 
inner person, our non-physical selves. The Bible also calls this mind uh, or will or heart, things like that. But then there's also the idea of the soul, which, and hopefully it comes across in this image, the soul is, the soul is deeper. It's something that is not often something that we are consciously aware of, as our body and spirit more so are. It, it lies deeper beyond our awareness, and yet, and yet, it's very much the foundation upon which our body and spirit um, rest. And so um, the state of our soul, the condition of our souls, the, uh, dramatically affects the way that we move out into the world. Um, even if we're not aware of that, it's impacting your every single day. Uh, Dallas Willard said this, our soul is like a stream of water which gives strength, direction, and harmony to every other area of our life. When that stream is as it should be, we are constantly refreshed and exuberant in all that we do. That's the image. Now, I want to say one more thing about that before we move into what's specific for today. I want you to consider with me, this is an admittedly strange example, but I think it's helpful, um, which is sex. I know it's church and you're not supposed to say things like that, but um, we all know intuitively that sex is a whole lot more than just a physical interaction, right? There's a whole lot more going on. It's clearly something more there. And that's what makes, that's what makes it so precious and, and powerful. Um, and we know this, I, I think Christians and non-Christians, I mean, it's a biblically based idea, but I, it, we know it intuitively, whether that's our background or not, which is why, um, and again, Christian and non-Christian circles, we use so many strange words to talk about sex. Like, like this one, we call it making love. Now, I know it's weird, church. Why, am I, why is he talking about this? But can we just acknowledge that that doesn't, that doesn't make any sense? Like well, that phrase doesn't make sense. It doesn't compute. But the reason why intuitively people use that language and, and similar language is because it's a nod. It's an acknowledgement that there's actually this much deeper connection that's happening. Far beyond something that's exclusively uh, physical. And, and by contrast, when, when people talk about sex and they describe it in just sheer physical terms, um, disregarding the, the deeper aspect, then to us, to our ears, that sounds crude and it sounds offensive. It is offensive because it's missing the, the, the beauty that's there. Um, in the Bible, I think this is fascinating. Um, the, the Hebrew word for sex is dode. And it literally means the mingling of two souls. Mingling of two souls. That scripture, again, making an acknowledgement. This is, this is more than a connection of outer persons or even our inner persons, but on a deep soul level, a bond is formed. It's something, it's something deeper. It's something beyond our conscious awareness, the soul. That's, that's the big idea. When we're talking about a soul, we're talking about something deeper than body or even spirit. Now, um, it's third week of Advent. Uh, the traditional themes of Advent are hope, peace, joy, and love. And so for the course of this series, we're asking this question, how is your soul? And more specifically, how is your soul as it pertains to hope, peace, joy, and love today, joy? Um, here's sort of a nerdy, but I think really interesting thing. The word Advent, which we, you know, it's Advent season. This is our Advent series. You've heard it say it a million times. Um, the word Advent is actually derived from the Latin word Adventus, which means the coming. It means the coming, the arrival. And the idea of Advent goes all the way back to the fourth century. It's a very long time ago. 
And get this, when the concept of Advent, of Advent was first created within the life of the church, it was not about the first coming of Jesus at all. Okay? The first coming of Jesus, I know that might not be familiar language, that's Christmas. That's, you know, the whole for the baby, the manger, the shepherds, the wise men, the whole deal. That's the first coming of Jesus. And that's what we mean now when we talk about Advent. But for centuries, it wasn't about that at all. It was exclusively about the second coming of Jesus. For centuries, when the church celebrated Advent, it wasn't about Christmas, it was about the second coming of Jesus. And then after doing that for a couple hundred, of ye- a couple hundred years, somebody had the idea of basically pairing it with the Christmas season. They said, you know what, while we're you know, anticipating the second coming of Jesus, we could also celebrate his first coming. While we're looking ahead, we could also look back some as well. And they said, that's a good idea. So they put that in place. Only then did Advent become a Christmas thing at all. Before that, it was a Jesus is coming back kind of thing. And guys, please don't miss this. The fact that Christ is coming back is the ultimate joy. It is. That was an amen. You missed it. We'll see if you get the next one. Too late. I'm just kidding. Okay. But here's what's happened. Over time, the return of Jesus part in the celebration of Advent has gotten swallowed up. And now it's not about the second coming at all. And what I would submit to you is that that is a tremendous loss. That it's by design that we would, as we remember the first coming of Jesus, we would anticipate with joy the second coming of Jesus. The return of Christ is where our ultimate satisfaction and joy comes from. And if we don't keep that in view, uh, we can get lost quickly. Now, um, you guys all know that um, the stuff that we buy one another, the gifts that we exchange, stockings and things that go under trees and things like that, they only impact the physical world. We're talking about, you know, body and spirit and soul. Um, they, They only affect our outer persons. And um, that's good, though, like giving each other gifts and, and it can bring a kind of joy. Um, and that's great. There's nothing bad about any of that. Um, but those outward expressions, whether we believe it or not, they're not actually what our souls are longing for at all. Like not even not even a little bit. And yet, and I, I know you know this, but so much of the anticipation of Christmas and, and waiting for it to come around, it ends up getting centered around the gifts. There's so much hullabaloo around that. And we might get it twisted as we talk about Christmas joy and get it in our heads that on some de- to some degree we might embrace the idea um, that it's actually the gifts that are supposed to bring joy. Now, um, don't worry. I know you guys all know this. I will spare you the tired speech about how Jesus is the reason for the season and it's not about the gifts. So deep breath. I'm not going to do that. Fair enough. You all know that. But that doesn't mean that that misperception can't creep in. Even, even just a little bit. I mean, look, you're adults. You've very likely grown out of the phase where you cannot sleep on Christmas Eve because you're so jacked up about what might be under the Christmas tree, right? So I I get it, you moved on. Um, But we can still, and stay with me, we can still get caught up in just the lore of the season 
and sort of the, the whimsical stuff about the magic of this time of year. And in the process, if we aren't careful, we can end up clinging to some unjustified hope that Christmas will just fix it, that it will fix your emotional problems or your relationship issues or whatever. And it's the same fallacy as thinking that the gifts can actually fix our problems. It's just dressed up in different clothes. Um, And again, you all know this. I know that you know that it's not like the Hallmark movies. Got it. But the allure is still real, right? They still make a lot of those movies. And that's because people are still watching them. And they're not doing it for cinematic greatness, that's not what, it's not about Oscar season, guys. That's not what's happening. It's because there's, there's this allure, this, this, this distant possibility that maybe the whimsical magic of the season can fix whatever it is that's aching inside. Um, I often make this mistake uh, with the 4th of July, which I know it's a different season, but let's talk about that one now. Different holiday. Um, on the 4th of July, I'm not, I'm not a great hang on the 4th of July, to be honest with you. Um, it's a whole lot of hullabaloo, you know, and uh, you got to watch fireworks, and that's a big part of it. And so that, to me, it's just like this big, it ends up being, somehow it ends up being this big day-long thing. You got to figure out what day the fireworks are on, because it's never the 4th of July anymore. I haven't figured that one out yet. I'm no, I know there are good reasons, no judgment. But then, you know, so you got to find out what day it is, and then... Um, and then you got to like, it's not like it's ever across the street. So you got to plan that out and find a place. And then you go there and everybody else had the same idea and it's completely packed. And you end up like jamming into a field somewhere that's not designed for parking. And it, then it turns into like hunger games as people are just out for blood, trying to find the best parking spot because it's the 4th of July and I don't love that, you know. And then you want a good seat. So you end up sort of close and you end up jammed in with other people and you're just shoulder to shoulder with your family, yes, that part's fine. And then just this, this other guy, it's like, why are you here? And it's like, I love these people. I don't want, and, and they, just, they just are who they are. And they, they smell how they smell and they act the way they are. You don't get to pick any of it. It's just the person you get shoved in there next to. And I don't love that. Like none of these things are like, I'm old and grumpy now. And I just don't, uh, I don't like it. And then um, it start, you're waiting for it to get dark and everybody gets there way before. And I'm like the old guy who's like getting sleepy at 8.15. I'm like, it's dark enough. Let's, let's do this. It's fine. And then for some reason, for one day only, anything that twinkles or flashes lights hasn't cost 800% more than it did the day before or than it will the next day. It's like, do you want this stuff? It's like, I don't want any of this stuff. I just want this to be over. But, 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 oh, that's the buildup though. You're just, that's fine, because it's, now it's the fireworks, right? It's finally dark enough, and then the fireworks start going, and it's this awe-inspiring thing, and people, there are oohs and ahs, and every, there's like little kids dancing with sparklers, and it's very picturesque, and, and, and there's like this, this sense of wonder that washes over the entire crowd, and while that's happening, I find myself looking up into the sky and thinking, I feel nothing. I don't get it. I don't get fireworks. I don't get it. People love it. I love that you love it. No judgment here. You might be like, what's wrong with me? I like fireworks. No, there's nothing wrong with you. 
there's something wrong with me. Something inside of me has died. That part of joyous wonder that happens when you look into the stars and you're blown away because things are exploding up there. Like it's dead inside of me now and it's just not worth it. Like I don't, it's not like, oh, that's the payoff. That's the payoff. Cool. Back to the parking lot. This is great. I actually went one time with our friends. We went out on their boat and that was the best case scenario because you didn't have the crowds and all the people. But even then on the best case scenario, while the fireworks were going, I was Think, I caught myself thinking, as soon as these fireworks are over, I can get back to hanging out my, with my friends, which is what I want to do in the first place. Like, it's just, it's just lost on me. I'm just the worst. Anyway, but here's the thing. If that's what I think the 4th of July is about, then I'm going to miss the whole thing. But if I will take, and I do it every year now, if I will take 20, 30 minutes, pen and paper, and just thank God for freedom and for this country and for the people who have died to bring that freedom and make it available to us, then I am overwhelmed with gratitude and meaning and emotion because that's act, it's actually what it's about. And here's the thing, even though we know better, we know better. We can make the same mistake with Christmas we know what the actual reason for the season is, but we can still make it about the fireworks and all the stuff and all the traditions and all the routines and then inevitably be left cold because of it. Uh, read your verse, Psalm 71, verse 23. My lips will shout for joy when I sing praises to you and my soul also, which you've redeemed. I think there's something here. It's, it's one thing uh, for our lips to shout for joy. That's, that's good. That's good. You, I, you might do that on Christmas morning when you get the killer gift, and I hope that you do. I hope your lips shout for joy. But the psalmist here, and this is actually Solomon in this case, Solomon is saying um, that his joy isn't just physical. His lips shout for joy, but his soul is shouting for joy too. And that, he says, that's about redemption. That's about salvation. I'll read it to you. Again, my lips will shout for joy when I sing praises to you and my soul also. Why? Because you've redeemed it. It's about salvation. So look, if you're one of the many, many people who find themselves depressed or just down after Christmas because it did not manage to live up to the hype, or if you're one of the many, many people who don't even bother getting excited about Christmas anymore because you already know that it won't live up to the hype, if that's the case, then it's at least worth considering if maybe on some level you're looking for physical answers to a soul level problem. I know, I know that you know that the latest fashions and, and the coolest gadgets and trends cannot heal what is aching inside of you. You know that. But let's just, if we can, let's just hold steady for one minute and consider if maybe you're putting any stock in that idea at all. Because it's not rare for people to do that. It's not rare. And as we've agreed together many times over the years, knowing better doesn't equal doing better, does it? So let's consider it. Let's say that Christmas comes and you get everything that you were hoping for, everything on your list. Actually, Let's ramp it up. Let's say that you get everything 
you were hoping for this year and everything you've ever wanted every year in one year. Everything you've ever dreamed of. Anything you once thought I would like to have that, you get it. Heck, let's, let's go even further. Let's say you literally get everything. Every single thing is yours for Christmas this year. As in, every single resource of value in the whole world becomes yours on Christmas morning, eight days from now. So we could say then that you have gained the whole world. Not, I would say great, awesome, don't forget about me, but great. But still, even then, the words of Jesus remain. And if you're a church kid, you know exactly what I'm about to say. Matthew 16, Jesus says this, what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? I mean, is anything worth more than your soul? So to be clear, uh, I'm not down on the gifts. Let's do it, man. Let's crank it up. I, I hope you get what you want for Christmas. I really do. And I hope that when you do, your lips will shout for joy. But the fact is, you can get literally everything there is for Christmas. And it wouldn't even touch your soul. Your soul doesn't care. I hope you're like Solomon, whose lips shout for joy and his soul does too. I'm sure I'm not the only person who has wondered this. You probably have as well. Um, why is it that... Uh, when someone becomes rich and famous, um, it's almost inevitable with, within the course of a few years, their entire life's probably gonna fall apart. <laughs> Have you ever noticed that? It's like, wow, they accomplished all their goals. They are rich and famous and powerful and crushing it. And then like, it's in seemingly inevitable. It's not gonna be long before they're on their like ninth trip to rehab and their fourth marriage and they're completely depressed. Like why, what's that about? Like, why does it always seem to go that way? I know it doesn't always, but it sure seems that way. Um, I have a theory on that. I just made it up so you can take it or leave it. But here's what I think happened. They got everything that they wanted and then it didn't heal their soul. Like not even a little, it didn't even touch it. So can you imagine, think about it. Can you imagine the desperation of realizing that you got it all? And it still didn't help. I mean, how lost, how desperate would you feel? Guys, sometimes the wrath of God is nothing more than him letting you have what you've always wanted. And maybe then, when that doesn't work either, you'll consider turning to him. C.S. Lewis very poignantly said this, human history is the long, terrible story of man trying to find something other than God which will make him happy. So, how's your soul? And how's your soul when it comes to joy? If it's lacking joy, it might be because you're buying into, on some level, buying into the myth that anything or any turn of events or any experience or encounter or the repairing of some relationship or the healing of some emotional wound will in the process somehow buy you joy. It won't because it can't. Guys, it's the Advent season, which means we should be doing two things. Remembering Jesus's first coming and also anticipating his second coming. Guys, 
when things are swirling and seemingly out of control, when we find ourselves lost without any idea what to do next, when we just feel stuck in a double bind. If I go left, I'm in trouble. If I go right, it's another set of problems. I'm just stuck. How do we have joy in the midst of that? We have perspective in the midst of that, which comes from simply this. Guys, Jesus is coming back and his plan is to renew all things and he will make good on his promise. He's renewing all things. And in those moments when you have no clue in the world how that's ever going to work out, that is the core, that's the catalyst of, of our joy. It's the fountain of our joy. It's how we cling to joy. All the, I'm talking soul level joy, not just the externalities, but in the deepest place within us. We can rejoice because we know our King is coming. He has come once and he will come again. And this time, he's restoring all things. Advent really would be the season of joy if we would keep in mind both his first and his second coming. Matthew chapter 2, verse 10, when they saw the star, they were overwhelmed with joy. Okay, the joy that these wise men felt wasn't about the gifts that they were about to give or the cool story that they could now tell. It was because of the news that their deliverer had come. Luke 1.46, and Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. Where was that like soul level joy coming from in her? It was not because of great circumstances. It was not because everything was working out and it was simple and clear and easy to understand. The fact is she was a suddenly pregnant, poor unwed teenager who was a baby bump away from being a total outcast. But deep in her soul, she rejoiced. Why? Because her king was coming. And in the midst of all the junk she was facing and the difficulties and the externalities, she held on to this truth. Christ is coming. The redeemer draweth nigh. Today, what we're going to do, we're going to set aside a few extra minutes to rejoice, to sing, um, and to be grateful. A few extra minutes uh, for us to celebrate that the big day is coming. And the big day that is coming will change everything. And that big day is the return of Jesus, his second coming. Guys, just, just like Mary and Joseph and Zechariah and Anna and Simeon and all the others, in the Christmas story, just like with them, our joy is anchored in one simple truth. Our deliverer is coming. So we're going to celebrate that Christ has come. And hear me on this. We're going to celebrate that he's coming back again. Because Advent is a celebration of both. Hope that makes sense. Let me invite you to stand. As I said, uh, we are going to sing a little bit more than we usually do at this time. A couple songs together. And as we prepare for that, just read you a few verses. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, this is the Apostle Paul. But you aren't in the dark about these things, dear brothers and sisters. And you won't be surprised when the day of the Lord comes. For you are all children of the light and of the day. We don't belong to darkness and night. So, be on your guard not asleep like the others. Stay alert, be clear-headed. 
Night is the time when people sleep and drinkers get drunk. But let us who live in the light be clear-headed, protected by the armor of faith and love and wearing as our helmet the confidence of our salvation. For God chose to save us through our Lord Jesus Christ and not to pour out his anger on us. Christ died for us so that whether we are dead or alive, when he returns, we can live with him forever. So encourage each other, build each other up, just as you're already doing. Now, may the God of peace make you holy in every way, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. Let's worship.